0: You are Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes.
1: Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and I'm excited to be back for another show today. And we have a very special treat for you. We're gonna be breaking down tonight's game, Iowa versus Nebraska, talking a little bit about expectations for this season, diving into some coach talk for the Iowa football team, and then talking a little bit about recruiting and wrapping up with some conversations about Caitlin Clark and what we're seeing from this amazing iowa athletic program across the board and we're doing that all with 24 7 sports very own david eichel he has joined us for the show today so with that being said let's just get into it let's get into our show right now with david all right y'all i am joined here by 24 7 sports david eichel david it is a pleasure to have you on i know you're kind of hopping around and helping out other podcasts it means a lot for you to come on this show Um, how are you doing today though first and foremost
1: Yeah, man, I'm good. I really appreciate you asking me. Uh, You know, things are going well. Just very busy, obviously. I got back from uh, a vacation. I'm a little bit more tan, a little bit more refreshed now. I'm ready to grind out the. uh, You know what? Hopefully, is going to be a long March run. Hopefully, I get to stay in Indy for a little bit. Yeah, man. I was uh, I was actually planning out my schedule for this month because it's easier if I
0: can actually plan out my weekly podcasting. A, you know, a couple weeks in advance. And I was like, I actually think I have too much content. Like it's going to be a little <laughs> bit difficult to cover every Iowa basketball game, women's, men's, the wrestling tournament. We have NFL draft coming up. It's a crazy month. Um, as far as when you go on vacation, how are you handling that when you're on vacation? Cause you're still working. I still see you tweeting. I still see you grinding. <laughs> so what are you doing when you're on vacation, man?
1: You know, it's one of the things too, where w- with the way that sports are kind of working this year with basically only going to home games, maybe some close away games, I'd prefer to look at a beach instead of a foot of snow and negative twenty outside. So that was sort of my thing. Uh, and, you know, my my parents were down there. They wanted me to go down there with them. And uh, you know, I'll always it's weird. I always tell myself I may go take a couple of days off. I'm gonna relax, but my head is just churning nonstop. And you know, when you're getting such a mode of just straight work, 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 it's almost impossible to check out. So I mean, I'll never. I don't know if or when I'll ever really be able to totally check out. Uh, I, I, almost feel guilty of it. So it's, it's a very, uh, it, it's more of just a self, like push, like self-motivator thing. Like yeah. I, I just cannot flip the switch off my head to be able to turn it off and am addicted to Twitter. And that certainly doesn't help me either. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I definitely have that problem. Twitter's the worst. I'm like, I just find myself scrolling through and why am I doing this? I'm like just to catch whatever comes out as, yeah. it, as it comes out. But I, I get that, man, I'll go on vacation. I'm actually going to Mexico in April. I'm um, with my wife and, what happens is as soon as I start relaxing, all these ideas are flowing. Here's all these things I can do for the show. Here's all these mm-hmm. things I can do for our, our social media presence. Here's I'm like, can I just stop for a second and just not care? And I like, can I just sit there and just enjoy my beer on the beach and not think about sports. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I feel like that's what makes you so successful, man. And that's why I appreciate having you on. And again, what an interesting time in Iowa athletics. We have one of the best women's basketball players in the nation. I actually just did a show on that. Today, actually, which Caitlin Clark has been phenomenal. We got Luka Garza in the men's basketball team ranked top five in the nation. Let's start there, though. They have a game. When this show drops, they have a game tonight, Iowa versus Nebraska. Nebraska is a scary team. And the reason why I say that is because by every stretch of the imagination, Iowa should dominate this game. But we've seen in the past – with Iowa versus Nebraska, that hasn't always been the case, and they've kind of been a thorn in our side when we should just be able to get an easy win. Nebraska also coming off winning two straight games despite losing Teddy Allen, where I feel like that might be a addition by subtraction. Uh, from everything I yeah. hear, he's kind of a dick. He's had a, he's had he, he's he's,
1: <laughs> he's had a, he's had a difficult journey through college basketball. I mean, he's he's four years and uh, four colleges, and basically. I mean, so I, you know, I went to University of Nebraska for college and he went to a place called Boys Town and I believe that's like just outside of Omaha. So I knew the area really well. And Boys Town's known for kind of uh, putting kids, trying to put kids on the right path who have had difficult upbringings. He had a difficult upbringing. So, you know, a lot lot of factors played into that. But I mean, from everything I've been told, he, uh, you know, like you said, probably addition by subtraction, I think is is probably the best way to describe. Describe it, And I think if you watch Nebraska with them versus without them, the ball movement is so much better. And I think that was the number one thing I've seen out of them the last couple of games. I mean, they, they have some shooters. They're number one in 3 point, uh, three point defense, only allowing 30.5%. Granted, I, there's not a team in the big 10 with the shooters of Iowa's caliber, especially if Iowa's healthy. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how that goes, but I mean, this is a game where, if Luca wants 40, 45, 50 points, he can go and get 40, 50 points. They're not going to be able to stop him. And, you know, and Luca, the biggest thing I've seen from him this year, one of the biggest things is passing so much better. He's yep. passing out double. He's looking for guys to the, his knowledge of the game is so much better. How many times have we found him just either be a hockey assist or finding a guy open the corner from three. I mean, those are the difference makers and those are the winning plays that, that Luca is bringing the table. And, you know, it, like you said, it, it's an interesting game, but I will say I think the best thing to happen for Iowa hanging to this game is watching Nebraska absolutely curb stomp Rutgers and leading by 30 at one point, because if they did have any of those, we're going to go in and we're just going to win by 2030. They're not thinking that after what they did to Rutgers.
0: It's a wake-up call, and I think we've seen with this team, which is interesting for a veteran squad, where they do have those moments. I mean, they're still college, you know, they're still college athletes. They still have those moments where – they kind of let it go a little bit. Maybe they don't come out as intense. We saw it the first game against Indiana, and then Indiana, you know, goes on and, and beats them, and Iowa doesn't score for 12 minutes. So yeah, definitely a concern. But I think you, I 100% agree. Rutgers getting destroyed by Nebraska was definitely a good wake up call for for Iowa, and it's the last game in Carver Hawkeye Arena. That's huge. I think that is something that's going to be a very important factor as we watch Jordan Bohannon and Luka Garza. They play their last time in Carver, possibly go off. Luka with a very good matchup against a team that is one of the worst in the nation in interior paint defense. Mm -hmm. Um, Nebraska right now, 232nd in two-point percentage defense. So a good opportunity for Luka Garza to get his. I also think Jordan Bohannon has an opportunity to really go off in his final game Mm -hmm. in Carver. He finds those big moments, and he just lets go. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So here's the thing, too. And you remember, you talk about Nebraska being a Thorne, Iowa side. I mean, you, but you got to look at this circumstance last year. Like, yeah, they shouldn't have lost the game last year. Everybody knows that. But C.J. Frederick was out. Jordan Bohannon was out. Even Austin Ash was out, remember? And then Joe Wieskamp yep. had his worst three-point shooting game of his career. I think he finished 110. Iowa's 433. I've said this on the record, too. If they have Austin Ash in there, they probably win that game. Because at least they can stretch the floor. They were literally throwing four or five guys on Luca every single play, and that's the only reason why he had 16 points. He still had 16 points. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just Luca. That's Luca being Luca. So, like you said, I think there's a very good chance. I mean, I don't know what Fred Hoiberg's gonna do. I think I think Luca's not gonna really sell for that many jump shots. He might just to kind of spread out the defense a little bit more. But I mean, if he gets like I I, I have a hard time seeing anybody on that roster stop Luca from getting post position on the block. And yep. the second he does that, you know, again, I, I think this is a very just it, it's this game spells 35 points for Luca Garza. Yep. I mean, it, it really does. And I think I think Jordan's more likely to go off against Wisconsin on Sunday because I think that, that that's almost like a full circle journey for him on senior day. Uh, and I've said this too, Wisconsin, I'm not surprised with what Wisconsin is this year. They, they are the same team. They should not have won. You know, they, they won the Big Ten last year. Nobody's ever going to take that away from them. Everybody knows they shouldn't have won that. They, that was the worst Big Ten title team I have ever seen on any level. No disrespect to them. That's, that's just, it, it is what it was. It's the same exact team this year. And I, I think they overperformed last year. Again, that's a credit to them, not yep. taking it away from them. But Iowa matches up so well. With they guys. do. I mean, they, they don't. They don't have. Gu- they don't have guards that'll beat you. And you think Nate Reavers is going to stop Luca from getting whatever he wants in the post? Micah Potter, I think, is a tremendous player. Yep. But I think his defense is still a little bit lackluster. And I I, I can't remember who tweeted out this stat, so I'm a little bit I I feel bad about this. Brett Davison has the worst, two terrible, field goal percentage since 2000 of any of any player since 2008 which is unbelievable to me and remember he might come back for his 42nd year next year I don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) you know the crazy that's the thing though Wisconsin could run the same team back again next year if all these guys wanted to come back so but like like you said I think I think it spells Luca going off uh you know tomorrow or tonight since you're releasing this uh on Thursday, but again, I, I think that Rutgers getting demolished by Nebraska was probably the best thing to happen to to Iowa. Just like yeah. Michigan getting demolished by Illinois is probably the best thing to happen to Michigan hanging into that Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, because that team's certainly gonna wake up last night.
0: All right, we're gonna quickly pause that conversation because you know I gotta tell you about Built Bars because they are the best tasting protein bar on the market today. They come in 18 amazing flavors and these bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is the perfect solution for the health conscious guy or girl because not only are they phenomenally delicious, they're great for you as well. One of my favorite flavors is cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. And again, the taste is so superb. You're going to absolutely love your built Bars when you get them. And right now, built Bar is doing an awesome March Madness competition to, de- to determine what is the best flavor. My personal favorites, I would probably pick Mint Brownie, Peppermint Brownie, peanut, or uh, not peanut, sorry, a pumpkin chocolate chip, and salted caramel, or sorry, cookies and cream probably my number one seed. So those four would be my number one seeds. I recommend you try any of those when they come out. Right now, you can actually get them for a little bit of a discount as well. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use that promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at builtbar.com. We are covering everything you need to know about the Iowa Hawkeyes, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today Podcast wherever you get your podcast at. Yeah, you're definitely – if you want to get those bad losses out of the way before you get into tournament time, you want to be focused and ready to go. And I feel like what Iowa went through has really changed their mentality the last couple of weeks. When you look at what Fran McCaffrey is saying, the team is locked in. They're you know engaged. They're looking at scouting ports a little bit closer. They're playing more intense defense. And we've seen that defensive energy um, show up the last couple of weeks, You know, beating Ohio State. That was one of the best defensive efforts I've seen from Iowa in quite some time. The Wisconsin thing mm-hmm. I think is very interesting. So we have Asher Lowe, host of Locked on bad Badgers. Um, he's a huge basketball guy and coming into the season, we were doing a little preseason talk and he's like, Wisconsin's better than Iowa. I was like, I know you're biased, but like, how do you possibly see Wisconsin as better than Iowa? Like this team is not an athletic team. They don't, they're not a great team. And then even coming into the Wisconsin, Iowa game, he said, I think Wisconsin's going to go to the post and they're going to score a lot of points against Luca Garza. And I was like, I know Luca Garza is not the most amazing defender, but he's six foot eleven. He's always in good position. He gets his hands up. He doesn't foul a lot, but he redirects a lot of shots. It's not that easy to score in the post against Luca Garza, and sure enough, um, Iowa had a pretty good game against Wisconsin. I feel like that should be a win against UW as well. So Nebraska-Wisconsin should both be Ws, in our
1: opinion. Would that be a good assumption from you as well? I, I, I'm picking Iowa and both at this yep. point from what I've seen, but I'll say this. Luke in terms of post defense. I think he's been better this year. You know, the thing that gets Luca scored on, it's the pick and roll. He just isn't quick enough to guard the pick and roll. But again, with Jack Nunji out for the rest of the season. Now I, I was very curious how I was going to come out because they're going to pr- try to protect Luca even more now. Cause Luca is going to need to play 33, 30, 35, 37 minutes a game. And you know, Luca's all on board. I mean, you know, this, I mean, Luca's all on board. He'll play 40. If he has to, it's just who is, who he is. But uh, I'll say this again. I do think that, uh, I do think that Chris Murray could be seeing some time here uh, soon as well.
0: Yeah, Chris Murray will be an interesting player, a guy who I actually just posted about this on Twitter, where you know, everyone's like, Chris Murray, I hope he can develop as quickly as Keegan Murray – and I'm like, it's not that he hasn't developed. It's not that he's not ready to play minutes. There just wasn't a spot in the rotation for him. And I, yep. I do think there's a concern about bringing in a guy who hasn't had a lot of minutes with some of the, the starters in actual game action. But if there's a time and place to do it, you want to get that done before you go into the big 10 tournament before the NCAA tournament. And when you talk to Kenya Murray, I mean, while they are very similar in some aspects, they have different styles to their game where Keegan Murray is more of a three-point shooter, um, you know, Chris is more of a slasher, a guy that we don't really, we don't have a lot of those on the team, so it'll be very yeah. interesting to see what that dynamic is, and if he can get some time in these next couple of games, because we are going to need him for a long stretch run for the Big You can guard the, the one tournament. through
1: four as well. I think yep. Keegan's more built to guard five, and I'll say this, the most impressive thing about Iowa's win to me, uh, besides Joe Toussaint, who I think earned a lot of, uh, I think, I, I want to say he was in the doghouse. I get people want more Joe Toussaint, but like, you can't look at what he had done over the past month and a half and say he served more time than he got. Like, I get it. The kid's potential is very high, and he brings a different element to Iowa. But his turnover rate is 27%. Iowa, Iowa's not good enough to have that player on the for long stretches of time. They're not good enough on defense to be able to handle turning the ball over and not scoring because Iowa's offense is what drives this team. Defense might be the thing that puts them over the top, but offense is what drives that team. And Iowa thrives on low turners. They're averaging 9.5 a game. And if you are putting a guy that turns the ball over more than um, once in every four possessions, you're not going to get a lot of playing time in Francis. And, like, again, I get it. If he does what he did against Ohio State, he deserves to play 14 to 17 minutes. I think he can be a huge boost. But go back to my original point. The thing that was most impressive to me was Keegan Murray's defense on EJ Liddell in the second half. E.J. Liddell is an all-Big Ten caliber for He's played extremely well this year. He's a very good player. Had 13 first-half points. When I, I, he only scored two in that second half, and Keegan played 15 minutes. They switched Keegan on to him. E.J. Liddell only took one shot, and he made it. Missed three free throws, grabbed one board, and two turnovers. That's it. And he played 16 second-half minutes. Walton Murray was on. Like If Iowa gets that type of defensive effort from Keegan, too, that's what they need. That's exactly what they need.
0: Yeah, it's exciting stuff to see. And I agree with the Joe Toussaint point when when you're, you're watching him, why is he getting five to seven minutes a game? He's not getting a lot of time. Well, the problem is he would come into the game and immediately turn the ball over. And it was it was not they were almost careless turnovers at some points, too, running out of bounds with the ball, not getting not passing it when you need to, right? So, things like that are going to get you in. You said not the doghouse, but kind of the dog. I mean, he wasn't playing for a reason, and um, part of that's the good and the bad with Joe Toussaint. What makes him such a, an amazingly exciting player is also what is some of the issues that have been causing him to be held back and not get some playing time. So, if he can be. The guy we saw against Ohio State, that is going to be phenomenal for Iowa. What are your thoughts on this team going forward, though? Because I think after the Michigan game, a lot of people, myself included, were a little bit bummed out. Um, I, I went on record saying, you know, if this team continues to play like that, they are not a Final Four team. They, they might be an Elite Eight team depending on matchups, but they are not a Final Four team. Then they come out and take care of business against Ohio State. What are your thoughts on this team's future for the rest of the season?
1: So I'll, one more quick point about the Joe Toussaint, Jordan Bohannon thing, I'll get to your question. So I've always said this too. Jordan Bohannon's upside on offense is much greater than Joe Toussaint's upside as a defender. That's why Jordan Bohannon is playing more. If yep. Joe Toussaint's not spacing the floor, you can't play Joe Toussaint Connor McCaffrey together. You can't. There's no. not enough shooting right <laughs> there. So get back to the point, I wrote this as a column yesterday. I don't want to hear the Febu- Fran February fade this season because this team did not do it. I know Six they lost three. against Michigan. And they two of the games, as I've said, if they have CJ Frederick, they split at least one of those because those came down to final possession. So they win five to six, they lose to Michigan, but then they—I don't care though, Ohio State lost two games. Okay, I I don't. Before Iowa beat them, you're going at Columbus on on primetime television. You just route them. Ohio State came back, and what have we seen this year from Iowa at times when teams come back? They, they take their foot off the gas. You know, they, they give up the lead. They can't pull it back. That's exactly what we saw in the first game against Ohio State. After Iowa went up 61-50, they got too reliant on the three. They started just launching them. Iowa stayed calm. They locked down. They held the number three offense, according to Ken Palm, to 57 points, which is a season low. So I think that, you know, people talk about that rough stretch. I look at it as, is Iowa fresh off their best basketball game of the season on the last day of February? Yeah, I don't think you can say they've played a better complete game all season than what they did against Ohio State, especially against the caliber competition and the fact there's a road. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Iowa is going to win out. They're going to win the Big Ten Tournament. They're going all. No, but I do think that fans, I think that people should be encouraged about what they saw. And I think that that team said, hey ready for March. They've always said that they feel like they can beat anybody in the country. I think prove that. I've always said this too. The worst matchup in college basketball for Gonzaga is Iowa because yep. Iowa can hang with them offensively. And I'll tell you what, Jalen Suggs is not going seven to ten from three point range again with the cows of shots that he took. Iowa scored 88 points while going four of 22 from three. And by the way, those threes were pretty open. They were not guarding Iowa's three-point shooters. Again, Iowa defensively struggled, I think, quite a bit in that game. Not, and I think that's also a credit to Gonzaga. And I'm not going to sit here and say Iowa's going to beat Gonzaga. I think that, again, it's the worst matchup. But I will say this too. I've said this all year. Iowa's much more built for the NCAA tournament than in the Big Ten. This is a historically great Big Ten comp. Uh, conference. These coaches, these players have seen Luca, Jordan, CJ, Joe East camp for years. It's not, and again, I, it doesn't make it any easier to play against them, but they know how to scout them. They know their game. Yep. Do you think anybody in the country is going to stop Iowa on a one day scout? There's nobody that can do it. I don't think there's one team in the country that can do it. And I think that's why I think the team is built for an elite eight final four run. I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going to pick them. I want to see how the rest of the season sort of goes, Yep. but at the same time, it's gonna be tough for me to really teams that have to have a one-day scout in Iowa. Iowa has to guard people, obviously. <laughs> but you think any you think any coach that has never played against Luka Garza or scouted Luka Garza has to prep for him on one day, and then you have three 40 percent, two fifty percent three-point shooters behind the arc. It's a tough recipe. I, I do think that the potential of this team still is a final four caliber team. Can they win the championship? I don't want to go that far. I want to see what they do in the Big Ten tournament. If they can beat Illinois in the Big Ten tournament and win the quarterfinal, beat Illinois in the semifinals, then I think that Iowa can be built for a championship run, potentially. All right, one more pause
0: before we wrap up the show with David. I want to tell you about betonline.ag because betonline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Betonline.ag even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. Betonline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up today. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use. The promo code locked on. That's right. You can go get you know get get that gambling fix, get a little betting in there, put a little extra money in your pocket, and put even more money in your pocket with that 50% welcome bonus using that promo code locked on at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Now let's get back into our conversation with David as we wrap up the show. Yeah, I think it come, to me it comes down to what the scheduling looks like when the tournament bracket actually comes out. What are the matchups they are going to get? Because there are some matchups that I think hurt Iowa a little bit, and there's a lot of matchups that I think Iowa will be favored in. I also agree with the Gonzaga point. When you look at what – Iowa did from a shooting perspective, if they just hit their average amount of threes from a percentage perspective and their average amount of free throws, they beat Gonzaga in a very high scoring game. So if Iowa just shoots even average, not even above average, just average, they win that game against Gonzaga. And I think the outlook on the season is significantly different than what it has been up until the point where they beat Ohio State. And again, I go back to the fact that they were so close to beating Illinois. You You beat that Illinois team, given a lot of pretty bad officiating calls, I think the outlook on the season was different after the Michigan game. So there's so many what-ifs, but like you said, the point is I was playing its best basketball right now, and that's ultimately mm-hmm. what matters. Um, last thing about basketball before we get into some some minor football talk, Joe Wieskamp. Um, I've been talking about this on the show. I don't know what he gains from returning. I think he could come back and be the guy, but – What are you gaining at this point? You've shown basically what you can do as an NBA caliber player. You can be a three and D type of guy. What are your thoughts right now? If you had to give a percentage estimate, is Joe Eastcam gone? Is it 70%? Is it 20%? I know that's not fair to Joe, right? Joe has to make this decision, but what are your thoughts right now? You
1: know, I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair point. I know I want to say it, but I, I, you know, or agree, but he has a legitimate decision to make. If I had to guess, and this is from no instant knowledge, I'm going straight off the cuff. This is just my gut feel, not based on anything I've heard him say or people I've talked to. I was 80% gone. Because, yeah. like it, I think that I don't know what he gains. And I'll tell you what, he's not gonna go through a better stretch than what he has done in the past 10 games. Like I know he's had that he struggled a little bit uh against i think it was michigan yep but if you go through a nine game stretch this late in the year and you shoot 60 percent from three and they see you as a three and d player in the nba go oh go go go, go get money yeah. i still think though he can earn a lot of money in the big tournament and the NCAA tournament with his play i think he can be maybe i i still think if he balls out I think he could be a very late first round guy and early second round guy. I really do. I think the potential's still there. I think he'll be one of the best shooters in the draft class. He's a pretty decent athlete. I don't know how much he'll be able to guard, but I've always said this. I know people want to scout guys who defend well in the NBA. Nobody guards in the NBA. Like I watch more NBA than like almost anybody. Nobody guards in the NBA. It's a lost art until it's playoff time. And then you see the intensity ramp up. So again, that's just a gut feel. I think Joe East Camps could be gone. I think that. Keegan Murray is going to be the second face of Iowa next year. And I think CJ Frederick's in for I've said this too. I said before this season and a lot of people give me crap for it. If CJ stays healthy next year, CJ Frederick will be a top three scorer in the big 10 and he will be a big 10 first teamer. He is that good. Yep. Because you're going to give him 15 shots a game. And I'll tell you what, he shoots 52% from three. And I know for a fact from people I've talked to in the know He's mad about that because he feels like he can be a sixty percent three point shooter, and it, you that's know, if that happens, yeah, I mean, no. and he—he's the, he, the the thing is about CJ, and he knows his role better than anybody on the team, and I think that's what makes him such a great player to play with. I think that's why he's so important to that team. It's I mean, tough, so, like yeah, like I said about Joe. I think I think Joe's gone. I'm not saying he won't return. He very well could, but like you said, what's the upside besides maybe setting some records in Iowa, getting to run the team for a year? Guess if you average twenty five on fifty percent shooting from three, and you're a first team all American, you lead Iowa to a Final Four. Maybe I'll be a top top ten pick. I I don't know, but I'll tell you what that draft class next year is going to be pretty pretty damn deep. Yeah, and I
0: think you you got to go back to the fact that he just had one of the most incredible runs, and if he can put together another stretch of those games during the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. I just yeah I don't I don't see what you gain from from returning. He's put together phenomenal performances. One of the things I've wanted to see from Joe is his ability to take over games. And we're seeing that in this stretch. When Luka was str- struggling, Joe Wieskamp camp was carrying the team in a sense and doing whatever he needed to do to get the the team back in the W column. CJ Frederick is a guy I'm very excited about next year as well. Um, I think what is underrated about his game, he could shoot the three, but the guy can drive to the basket and he can finish too. And that is something that we don't see as much from a lot of our guards um outside of our, our bench guys in this Iowa offense. So definitely a lot we of things. He didn't potential- see it last year. No oh, not last year. Yeah. Yeah, so it's def- definitely interesting. Uh, switching gears to the football uh, perspective, you put out a report about Joe Tripodi, um, North- Temple's uh, offensive line coach, a guy who looks like he might be next in line for Iowa's offensive line coach. When I looked up his background, former Northwestern guard, uh, you know, playing, understanding the Pat Fitzgerald type offense, coach at NIU, has ties to Wisconsin. I mean, this just seems like a match made in heaven for, for an Iowa offensive line coach. Do you have anything else to
1: add to that? Yeah. I mean, so my thing is obviously, but just, just for the record at this point, nothing is official. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I, w- I would feel comfortable saying he's a front runner at this point, but I know there's still a couple other candidates in the picture, but I, like you said, I think it's a match made in heaven because what did Paul bring to the table? Paul recruiting was phenomenal. You look at the 2021 class who he got, he knows the Midwest and I think Tripati fits the mold. And I believe off the top of my head, he was at Northern, he was at Illinois for nine seasons, And so that means he has Kelton Copeland connections as well. Because just remember Kelton Copeland was at Northern Illinois. So those two guys worked together. So you get that cohesiveness on the spot. He knows the Midwest. He knows the big 10. He knows what it takes to, you know, to win in the big 10. And when he was playing at Northwestern, he was watching some pretty good Iowa football at that time too. Not not elite. It wasn't the 02 to 04 run, but still pretty yeah. pretty good Iowa football. So, like you said, I think it's a match made in heaven. I, I think if, if you know, assuming everything works out, I I I love the hire. I I, I think it's great. I'm very interested to see how he, he would hit the recruiting trail. But based on his resume, based on his connections, and then you get put, you know, you give him the resources and the Iowa offense and reputation. I, I'd say it's a pretty that's a pretty dang good hire. So we'll yeah. see what happens, obviously, but again, nothing official. Uh, but I, 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 I would think that I was pretty much locked in on trying to trying to get him in the fold.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. And then you talk about the recruiting aspect. Iowa just had a big conversation with the quarterback out of Texas, Nick Evers. Uh, sounds like Iowa might be. Not necessarily the front-runner for him, but they want him bad. Any other news and notes from the recruiting front? I mean, I know we're recruiting two tight ends out of Nebraska, um, Bellevue East, I believe, Mike O'Reilly and Caden Helms. We also have a tight end out of Valley, Eli Raridan. Um, what are some news and tidbits you can offer on that on, on those conversations?
1: Yeah, so obviously Iowa is really going all in on Mike, uh, Mike O'Reilly. Caden Helms, obviously they want both them. I think if they could get them both in the that would be tremendous. I think Caden Helms is a little bit less likely than Mike O'Reilly. Mike O'Reilly uh, have some connections with the barwoods by the way, W. West, and that was the same high school as uh, Keegan Johnson. Yeah, I was like, I, I, was like I knew I messed up one of the well.
0: directions.
1: I was like, <laughs> I can't remember if it's east or west. Dang it, <laughs> uh, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, so I actually know that high school very well. I, I you know, so I told I, I used to cover Nebraska recruiting at times. My old high school I used to play against them in sports, which was a tough scene to say the least, uh, obviously, with all the athletes. Uh, I think I was on a nice job of trying to assert themselves in the Omaha market and that metropolitan area because there's a lot of. Really top end talent, I think, coming out of Nebraska lately. I mean, as good as Iowa's in-state talent has been, Nebraska has got some some good talent of their own. As far as uh, Eli Raritan goes, I think Iowa's still in it. I know the Notre Dame offer was obviously a huge one, he, yep. the legacy there. But I mean, again, Iowa's tight end reputation speaks for itself, and I think with the, one of the biggest surprises that 2021 class to me was the inability to land an elite tight end. But I'll say this, Iowa still got plenty of them in the fold. I, think Luke Lachey, if he can be healthy i think he can be a stud uh Elijah Yelverton is going to be really really good i mean the t- Iowa's top four i think has a lot of potential but now it's the same thing with sort of running back and that's and that's no disrespect uh to the the 2021 running back that signed but uh, Devin, Hilton, Devin Hilton. no disrespect yep. to him but Iowa now has ways that they can sort of utilize on the recruiting trail like you know what we, we got a late guy for running back and obviously again devin hilson's a good athlete i'm not taking anything away from him yeah uh and as far as tight end goes okay yeah we didn't take a tight end. we have guys sam laporte will probably be sam laporte will go to the nfl sean byers going the nfl look at our statistics who do you want to go to the nfl come to iowa and if they put the full court press on a few key targets i think that uh i think they'll be able to land some of those guys but as far as raritan goes as far as Michael riley goes kaden I think it's a tough I won't say it's tough to read right now, but I think a lot of those guys are gonna wait things out, especially and, and first I want to make this point here too. I pray to God the NCAA lets these kids visit schools. It's I, for God's sake. I I I get it, I get the you know, I get trying to protect the liability and all that. But you can't expect these guys to sit butt, go through virtual visits, everything like that, and to make a, a lifelong decision that could have major implications, whether or not they can develop to go to the NFL and reach their potential. You've got to put, let these kids have the full you, you know, utilization of information. It, it's sad. And the fact that none of the recruits, there's no organization speaking on behalf of the recruits. And I think that's a failure in itself. You're allowing the NCAA to do everything. But what about the parents? What about the, the, the kids? They the, you you say you're all about that. We'll give them a voice, allow them an opportunity there. As far as Nick Ewers go to go back, I think Iowa's in the running. He likes Iowa. His mom likes Iowa, especially again with the Iowa offensive line. I mean, she wants her baby boy protected. <laughs> you got, you know, you got the Iowa offensive line doing that. So things will work out. But uh yeah, it it, it will be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. I know Florida's looking at him a little bit. Uh, I know they're going to host a couple of virtual visits and I know he also earned a couple of good in-state offers. I believe Texas tech offered last night, TCU offered a couple of days ago, obviously those in-state Texas kids, once they get those Texas offers, I mean, those are usually fairly notable, but uh, you know, it's been a slow start for the 2022 class for Iowa, but I'd say this to people, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even blink twice about it. Iowa's going to be fine. And Iowa doesn't offer a lot of kids. They're waiting to get these kids in camp. And I think Iowa's holding out hope that they can get kids on campus and have a chance to, to truly really evaluate them because Iowa's not just gonna throw out offers to offers offers. They, they don't care how long it'll take. That's just not Iowa's mantra. And I, I'd say it's worked out pretty well considering Iowa's 2021 class is the highest in 24-7 sports history for the University of Iowa.
0: Yeah, you actually stole my next. I was actually gonna say I was like, everything seems to be moving <laughs> a bit slower with recruiting. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with the fact that Iowa is so patient and they want to see these people and these players in person because. I, and I think maybe this, just my thoughts, the progression of Kirk Ferentz and his recruiting has changed so much from the early parts of his career at Iowa to now where they have locked in on exactly what kind of player they want, not just from an athleticism standpoint, but from a character standpoint. And they haven't had some of the issues they had Early on, you know, the early 2000s and whatnot with uh, law enforcement and all that kind of stuff, they've done a better job of bringing in some higher character guys that they feel like really fit the mold of the program. And a lot of that has to do with just meeting these guys in person, getting them on campus, seeing how they interact with each other. And they're not like you said, they're not going to go willy nilly extending offers like Nebraska or Minnesota just to try to get any guy in the program.
1: It's interesting though too, and I think that's a, I think it's an interesting point they bring up. But I also say recruiting just evolved so much over the last fifteen years. You talk about more film, more accessibility, and like, the, you know, recruiters will talk to the kids' janitor at the high school. They'll talk to teachers. They'll talk to friends. They go through so many different avenues. At least Iowa does before they offer a kid. And I'll say this too. I know this about Fran McCaffrey. And by the way, I, you know, people can say whatever they want about Fran's character on the sideline or whatever. Fran is not Brian. One bad kid is Fran. Iowa basketball players have been tremendously high character. They aren't troublemakers. They, uh, again, I, I think it, it speaks for itself in that aspect, but I, I think Kirk Ferentz is sort of that same mantra right now is if, if, if they host a kid on visit and they ask the player who the player who hosts the kid on visit, you know, what do you think of him? Will he fit in with us? And they say, no, they're not going to take him. I know a few players that, that, that's happened to now i am obviously i'm not going to name names but it's happened to the basketball side of things it's happened of the football side of things and I, I also think that comes from a culture of trust between the coaches and the players and a certain level of respect and obviously iowa's football culture changed dramatically over the past year and based on everything that's come out it is needed to so hopefully they they that things have truly you know kind of changed on that that in that regard, like you said i think that bringing in high character guys i think that again it just goes through so many different avenues now than it did 20 years ago i mean you see a kid on film or you would hear about a kid you throw out an offer you go visit yep. them you throw out an offer that was really the end of it it's like okay multi-sport athlete does he wrestle what are his grades like what are his peers saying about him where is teachers saying about him is he respectful i mean they go through these big long questionnaires before they offer it you know Again, Iowa might not like the most talented kids. I don't think they ever really will. They don't pursue a lot of most talented kids, and that's no disrespect to the kids who have earned those offers or not saying they're not people. But Iowa's just very meticulous about who they offer. And, again, the proof's in the pudding. Top 25 recruiting class last year is clearly paying off right now. But, again, I'll also give a lot of credit in that regard to Kelton Copeland and Tim Polisek for the recruiting job that they've done uh, since they got here. Kelton Copeland, I think, has done one of the most unbelievable rebuilding jobs in a position group in, in the entire country. Really amazing. I mean, what He took over what he took over was a four letter word. It was, awful. <laughs> it was, it was really bad, dude. It was, it really surprised me. And I think it surprised everybody. But again, that was no disres- disrespect to Copeland, but just the difficulty in the uphill battle of that. And the way that the Iowa receivers have kind of changed their mantra since then it's pretty unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. David, I have taken up a lot of your time today. We talked about recruiting, we talked about basketball, we talked about uh, the Iowa football offensive line coach. Anything else you want to add before we hop off the show today, man?
1: No, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, obviously, I, I like to talk a lot, so this is completely fine by me. You're not taking <laughs> up any of my time. I'm happy to do this. Uh, but no, it should be a busy time. And I'll say this: I think Caitlin Clark should be a top five person for the Player of the Year. Uh, I, you know, I try. What she's done is unbelievable. And I'll say this too. Once, once Carver opens back up, go flood that for that team because Bluter does a heck of a job. Caitlin Clark is on. I mean, you, so amazing. You think nobody's gonna break? You, you you think nobody's gonna break Megan Gustafson's record and what she did for Iowa? Man, Caitlin Clark, I'm I'm I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll say this: she could be a three thousand point scorer at Iowa. She in that, that that I know how asinine that sounds, but I mean. By the end of this season, she'll probably have 700 or close to 700, and it's not even a full season. And then think about this I doubt she will win the WNBA. She can stay five years,
0: dude. She uh, it's the extra year. I'm smiling because I literally talked about this on the show this morning. I was like, I think Megan, Guff- <laughs> I think, I think Caitlin Clark is going to break Megan Guff's scoring record, and she has right now five 500- also health
1: section threes, though. That's the thing though, too, because Megan yep. couldn't shoot threes. Megan was strict post. Caitlin, that aspect to her. So,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, Caitlin I Clark right now, five hundred sixty-four points. If she only plays four games the rest of the season, she'll be at six hundred seventy-one points. If you you know extrapolate out her average, if you extrapolate that over four years, that's two thousand six hundred eighty-four points, which you got to factor in. She's playing. Ten less games this year than Megan Gustafson has, and on average each of her years, so she's going to have more games. Yeah. You got to expect the point per game average to go up or stay the same. Even if it doesn't, she's still going to be getting her points regardless. Um, I don't think it's unrealistic to think she could break three thousand. I think she also could break the assist record as well. Her average is higher than Samantha Logics was. So, I mean, what we're seeing from Caitlin Clark as a true freshman is just so beyond belief. And I think if she can stay healthy and she stays at Iowa not going to the WNBA, not saying it's transferring Iowa, just not yeah. leaving Iowa for the yeah, WNBA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to get anyone scared there. This is – I mean, we're watching greatness happen, and I think um, we need to appreciate that as Iowa fans because this doesn't come around for any team very often.
1: And, yeah, and I, I, I like that. And this is, I think, a good ending point, and I've said this repeatedly on Twitter. I'll say it here too. It, people focus so much on the destination, and we get to embrace the journey. You have Spencer Lee. You have a care. of him, Jordan, Bohan. Jordan Bohan's one of the most unforgettable Iowa players of all time. Given his journey, the adversity he's been through, he's literally in two hips to play for Iowa and suffered through plantar fasciitis. So Iowa could have a point guard during his sophomore season. And obviously, Luca Garza, who has just been, I think, is the new, you know, is the icon of Iowa basketball now. In you know, disrespect to any of the other greats. I mean, he's going to get his jersey retired, his number retired, and he absolutely 100% should based on everything he's done. I, what Iowa has right now, and then you throw in Megan Gustin. The, I don't forget about Cat Doyle, who won Big Ten Player of the yep. Year as well. Samantha Logic, Ali Disterhoff. I mean, it's amazing. You know, Iowa, Iowa. As far as individual talent goes, they have absolute greats. And I think that people, again, they focus so much on what life's going to be after. What's life going to be like after? How how do they end up in their season? And I get like they they have to wonder that. But don't put so much focus on that where you forget about what you're witnessing. You are witnessing greatness. These guys will not come. You think another Luka Garza is going to come within the next 15, 20, 30 years at <laughs> Iowa? I mean, this is generational type stuff. Yeah, Iowa might have better teams in the next 30 years. There's been no player better than Luka Garza at Iowa for a long, long, long time. So it's embrace amazing. it, enjoy it, and just if you can't appreciate it, it's what the best part about sports is. If you can't appreciate it, then I really don't know why you're watching or why you're paying attention. <laughs> if you spend all your time being so negative about it. Maybe you should find a way to spend that energy, and make it positive elsewhere. It just it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I think like you said, embrace the journey. Uh, you know, love the greatness, and uh, also have. Fun. I mean, over the last thirteen months, I mean that's what it's all about. It's supposed to be fun. Do stuff to have fun. It, it, appreciate it. I yep. think if anything that we've learned over the last 13 months in life and sports appreciate it, because we know how quickly it can be taken away from us.
0: Yeah. I'd rather have sports now than not have. Sp- I mean, I'd rather have sports and be upset that Iowa lost than not have sports at all. I mean, I'll take that over any single, any single day. Cause that March through August timeframe was a little bit rough. David Eichel, it has been a pleasure having you on uh, everyone can find your work. I mean, if, If they're listening to me, they already know about you, but you can find your your work at 24 (laughs) seven sports and on Twitter, David Eichel as well. It has been a pleasure. Have a good day, man. And we'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. And that will do it for our show today. Appreciate David coming on. Uh, Take the time out of his day to come talk all about Iowa sports. Loved having him on. Um, Maybe we'll see if we can get him back on in the future as well. If you you enjoyed the the duo that we had there, Uh, again, really enjoyed having David on. It was awesome to talk to him about Iowa sports all around. If you like this show, please make sure to give us that five-star review and subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast at and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have some awesome stuff coming up ahead. Bakari Evelyn's going to be joining us to break down Iowa basketball games. We also have some... NFL draft prospects from the Iowa Hawkeyes from the season. They're going to be on the show as well. We have some recruits coming on. So lots of awesome stuff up ahead. We also have some Iowa United talk as well. I know you all love the TBT. So that's all coming up in the next couple of weeks. It is a busy time here, and we're going to keep you covered with everything you need to know about the Iowa Hawkeyes on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Have a great day, Hawkeye Nation, and let's go Hawks.